Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Thomas Pan. And we're going to explore how to stand out with NFTs and what the best projects are doing. If you're thinking about starting an NFT project and you don't want it to be a failure, you're going to want to listen to what we talk about today because Thomas kind of deconstructs what some of the best projects are doing so that you can really understand how they're doing it and how you might be able to model it if you're going to be launching a project in Web3. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Thomas Pan. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Thomas Pan. If you don't know who he is, he is a former growth marketing professional turned prolific Web3 journalist. He's a Web3 project advisor and founder of Web3 with T-Pan, a daily newsletter covering the business of NFTs and beyond. He's also the founder of Write Web3, a collective of Web3-focused writers, Thomas, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Excited to get this started. Excited to share my story and hopefully inspire and help everyone else in your audience. Well, I'm super excited to have you today. Thomas and I are going to explore what the best NFT projects do to stand out and what we can learn from them. Before we go there, I want to like back up the train a little bit and talk about your story. Like, How in the world did you get into NFTs and Web3? Start wherever you want to start. Tell us the story. 
Yeah. Like you mentioned, I've had about a decade of experience in growth and marketing at startups and tech. I'm based in the Bay Area. So, you know, the very big hub for all those types of companies and products. And I started initially in mobile gaming. So, you know, doing user acquisition, how do we get users? How do we do that efficiently? How do we use different channels, whether it's social, video, organic, et cetera. And sort of went through a a variety of different companies doing that type of work. After mobile gaming, I went to ride sharing that industry when it was super hot at Uber. So that was where I like to describe that I went from sort of you know, thinking linearly to thinking multidimensionally. So during my time at Uber, worked with some very smart and bright people, learned a lot and started to work cross-functionally. So, you know, initially when I was in mobile gaming, worked with, you know, primarily on the marketing and growth side. But when I went to Uber, I started working more with product, engineering, data science, creative, and also the growth marketing team. So it was really fun acquiring more riders and getting more people to adopt and use Uber. After those two experiences, which were more on the hyper growth phase, really seeing what it looks like to go from 10 to 1,000, so to say, I wanted to see what it was like to go more from zero to one or one to 10. So I started to focus on a different arc in my career, working at smaller startups in fintech, health tech, entertainment tech, and also edutech as the first or second marketer or growth person leading the respective growth and marketing departments at those companies. At my last full-time job, which was in the education, sort of the dance education space, and I'm, I'm excited to sort of share, you know, a little bit more about that much later in the, in the sort of conversation. It was also during the height of COVID. So spent a lot more time at home and a lot more time online, frankly. And, you know, just through various conversations and groups I was in, stumbled upon NFTs. And for anyone that sort of was around last year, one of the big things that happened was the rise of MBA Top Shot by Dapper Labs. And initially, I was, you know, interested in the potential financial gains, like the hundreds of thousands of other people that sort of onboarded during that time. And if I purely was just interested in the financial gain, I probably would have you know, made out pretty well. However, as a growth and marketing person, and, you know, first and foremost, I realized that there were some really interesting things going on. You know, why were hundreds of thousands of people flocking to the product and the platform? What was going on? How did the company and Dapper Labs even maintain and manage that? And I stayed for other reasons. I came for money, so to say, but I stayed for a lot more than that. What was going on? And that just led me down a different rabbit hole as I continued to dig deeper and deeper. And that led me to NFTs. I've been fortunate to be relatively early to several communities, very strong brands now that have stayed around and really sort of grown significantly in their own right. And that led me to the broader Web3 space. And as of about five months ago, I think it's my five-month anniversary unofficially, I left my full-time job. And as much as I love that company, the people and the product and the mission, I realized that I sort of love this space a little more. And I only wanted to do two things. And I initially thought it was a sabbatical. First was to itch the scratch of writing. I don't have a formal writing background. I'm not a journalist. And, you know, a lot of people are realizing over the past few years the importance of you know, writing. And I just wanted to see, you know, especially being on sabbatical, what that might mean, especially with this newfound passion and interest. 
I thought I was going to write once or twice a week. Now I am, you know, five months in still writing five times a week. I got to back up a little bit here. So you decided to write a a newsletter, but like you got to zoom in on that a little bit. Like, why did you decide to write about NFTs in particular? Because that's where it started and evolved into all of Web3, of course. But tell us a little bit about the genesis of where that idea came from. Yeah, definitely. I think for myself, like I mentioned earlier, I always wanted to write. I guess I didn't know what I wanted to write about. And naturally, it makes sense to write about things you're passionate in. And I think I was just waiting for that spark, to be honest. And I got to the point where I realized that during 2021, all my non-sleeping, all my non-working hours were beginning to be spent in this space. I was on Twitter all the time. I was on Discord all the time. I don't recommend it, but I'm still in about 130 different Discord servers. So that allows me to see a lot of things and identify trends, patterns, new tactics and strategies that I personally find very interesting as a growth and marketing guy. And I realized that this was just beyond a hobby. And that's sort of what encouraged me to realize that I should write about this. Some people are spending just as much time as I am, but maybe not writing about it. And that's sort of what really helped me to start pulling that thread a little bit more. And I realized, I I jokingly call it a happy accident, but I sort of have a knack for it, you know, to be honest. And I decided to continue leaning into that. So that's how that newsletter really kickstarted as potentially something I was interested in and realizing that there's something a lot more in terms of, you know, building an audience, educating the audience and sort of sharing the good word for lack of better word, NFTs and Web3. Well, and for those that don't know, and you should tell everybody, by the way, how to get the newsletter, maybe at the end or now if it's, if it's convenient, but Thomas does really deep dives into all sorts of different NFT projects and it's really, really fascinating because I belong to a million different newsletters in the Web3 space, but nobody does what you do, Thomas. And, you know, we had a chance to meet in New York City at NFT NYC. And uh, I'm just excited that the journey that you're on. So why don't you tell everybody, like, bring them up to speed. So you started writing this newsletter and then some stuff must have happened along the way. So kind of bring us up to the present, like what you're doing and what your plans are. So three major buckets of what I'm focusing on right now. So I do consult and advise various Web3 and NFT efforts in this space because whether it's personal interest and also just I I find the work that they're doing very interesting and I want to sort of help push them forward on on their respective missions. Secondly, I do have my Substack or my newsletter. So the website is tpan.substack.com. And in regards to the content, there's a few different buckets. So one is more about recent headlines and sort of my thoughts and perception and point of view on that. Two is those deep dives that you mentioned where I might talk about a specific company or a specific concept and go deep on it. And then thirdly, creating different frameworks. And we'll go over one of those later today, but different frameworks to help Uh, my audience and just everyone in general, whether you're a professional, whether you just want to, you you just learning about Web3 and getting into the space to wrap their head around what's going on because there's so much going on. So with all those three, my goal is to make these sometimes complex concepts much more understandable. But also my take on a lot of these things, my focus is to peel the layers of the onion, right? Oftentimes there's you know, newsletters or content that focuses on the flashy headline 
or you know, this is what happened and here's a few sentences summarizing it, I like to go deeper. So I might not cover every headline, but what I will guarantee is that you will have takeaways and it will always give you a better understanding of what that headline actually means. And lastly is WW3. And I like to call it WW3 because it's a little catchy. You know, the, someone that hears about it might be thinking to themselves, T-Pan, what is this? You're starting a world war? That's terrible. And I like to jokingly respond, no, we're not trying to start a world war here. That's terrible. But we are at war. We're at war with poorly written content in Web3. And this is more of just a passion project of mine. But writing is sometimes, first of all, a lonely endeavor. And I want to create a community for writers in the Web3 space because it's helpful whether we're reading each other's work, being inspired, helping each other edit each other's work. But also, I believe a group of really great writers in Web3 are able to do some really amazing things. So can't share the details yet, but we already have some projects underway just to help the broader Web3 space. And eventually, I also believe longer term that writers, especially good writers in the space, should be able to make a serious living, um, not just get paid, for example, $50 for a well-written piece, but be treated as individuals and compensated as well as even engineers, for example. What I love about what you're doing, Thomas, is you're almost becoming an industry analyst is probably how I would describe this because you are in the trench analyzing NFT projects that you own and that you don't own and really, you know, using like a magnifying glass to look under the deeper corners and try to assess like, how are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And that's what I love about what you're doing. And there's so much that we can learn from you because you're doing this every single day. And so many people listening right now, they're not yet all in, you know, they're in the discovery stage, right? They're, they're curious about web three. They're curious about NFTs. And there might be some listening right now that are frankly skeptical. So what do you want to say to those people listening right now that why they might want to consider going in to NFTs and web three? What do you want to say to the people that are like, not yet there, that are listening? Definitely. I, I'd say for those that are curious, but maybe lurking is you know one way to put it. That's great. You're interested, you're lurking, you're curious, you're leaning in. And I was there. I was there for 15 months, actually. I first started diving into the space January last year. I didn't make a post. I didn't tweet about it publicly outside of maybe joining a giveaway or something like that. I didn't do anything for 15 months. I just consumed and absorbed. I'm not saying that you need to read or absorb every single newsletter or piece of content for a year before you are allowed to create content or create a project or integrate Web3 into your business or, or whatever you're doing. But that was what happened with me. And you know, the more you sort of absorb everything from different sources, from different people, from different you know, parts of the industry will help you to better understand what's going on. And there's a lot going on. And it's okay to be overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. And I still am sometimes. So that's one thing in regards to those that are leaning in and curious and want to do something, but maybe not sure yet. That's okay. Second of all, for the skeptics, that's great. We need skeptics in the space. I don't think we should be in a situation where everyone's like, oh my gosh, we see the light. We're, you know, we're all converted, so to say. I think skeptics are important. And there's a lot of great arguments, genuinely, that, you know, around Web3 doesn't make sense, crypto, you know, doesn't make sense, or NFTs doesn't make sense. I think we need those people, we need those arguments to help this space get better. Otherwise, 
we'd already be in a future where everyone's living in the metaverse. Everyone is driving their digital car. They got to make their, you know, metaverse mortgage payment online. We're not there yet. And we need each other, both sides, to build a better future uh, with Web3 involved. So thank you, skeptics. And, you know, let's have that conversation. Well, and for those that aren't skeptics that are thinking about doing an NFT project, keep listening because this is fascinating what we're about to talk about. So because you've studied so many different projects and you've seen the failures and the successes and the things that certain projects seem to do that allow them to stand out, for anyone who's thinking about starting an NFT project, what is it that the best projects are doing to stand out? As I mentioned, yeah, I've spent a fair amount of time on Discord, on Twitter. Throughout that time, I've hovered around, you know, 125 to probably 150 different Discord servers at any given time. And I mentioned earlier how I started to realize there were certain patterns, there are certain trends, there are certain elements that really led to successful projects. And I realized there isn't really a framework out there, even though there's a lot of great case studies or a lot of great projects and brands that have really made it out of the woods, so to say. Easy example, I'll just say it, you know, is Board Ape Yacht Club and Yuga Labs, and we'll get to them later. But, you know, how do you categorize that versus another successful project or versus one that's a fledgling project that maybe has traction, but maybe it doesn't have the prominence that a Board Ape Yacht Club has? And I really distilled it down to a simple framework, which, you know, I, I dubbed the 3C framework. It's great, there's alliteration. And that's a very helpful way to think about for different businesses or projects that are looking to understand how they can succeed and build their own version of success, how they're able to do that. So we'll go over each of the different pieces of that 3C framework and see how that can apply to all of y'all. Very cool. So let's start with the first C. What is the very first C in the 3C framework? And what I'm excited about, folks, is that like, Thomas has kind of reverse engineered this, haven't you? I mean, like this isn't like a framework that anybody follows. This is something that you've just essentially said, all right, this is what I see them doing, right? And and it seems that the projects that are successful seem to be doing this. And this is a model, if you will, that we could potentially use moving forward. Is that a fair assessment? Definitely. And each of these three C's is a word I'm pretty sure everyone here has heard dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of times. So this isn't groundbreaking in regards to each of the C's, but rather how you think of it as a framework and how you apply it. And in terms of reverse engineering or thinking about each of these successful brands that has really risen to prominence, especially natively in the space, what did they do strategically and tactically? Where did they lean in and how did they sort of use that strength to then populate or lean into each of the other C's and then build that strong trifecta to really build a brand that is sustainable, scalable. And if they wanted to build another one under their portfolio, formulaic. So let's talk about it. Let's let's go into the first C. What is it? Yeah, let's go into the first C. Drum roll. It's community, right? This is a word that has been mentioned, as I alluded to, many, many times. And what I'm going to do with each of these three C's is to focus on web two comparables, and then give an example of a Web3 project that really utilized that to bring them to prominence and, and a certain level of success. So community, that lives everywhere today, right? Whether it's a meetup group, 
whether it's a strong brand like Peloton, for example, or you know, a fitness app, community is very, very important, right? Why is it important? First of all, we're human beings. Human beings want to belong. Human beings want to socialize. They want to be in a group. And that is the same in Web3 as well, right? So if you're a part of Peloton and you're doing your daily workout or your ride, what do you see? You see other people taking the same class either live or even maybe they took it before you did, but you get to have those conversations. You get to see who else is riding, where they're even from, you know, what's going on. And you can make friends there. You know, in Web3, a great example of community is actually Pudgy Penguins. So this is a profile picture project that has become much more than that. But they did certain things from a communal standpoint that especially during turbulent times, they sort of withstood all that. So a few ways that a project like Pudgy Penguins showed community was one, they changed their profile pictures, right? So on Twitter in particular, on Discord, all these different network effects and sort of that social credibility, but also the identification of saying, hey, you're a pudgy penguin. I'm a pudgy penguin. We're both part of the same community is a very, very powerful dynamic, right? That even spread to LinkedIn, for example. Yeah. Just to be clear, when you say they, you don't mean the project founders. You mean the people that hold the NFTs chose to change their pictures to the pudgy penguins, right? We see this in the lazy lions community as well. You see a lot of lions as their profile pictures. So when you meant they, you meant the holders of the NFT project, for whatever reason, seem to have adopted across the community, their penguin as their profile picture. Is that right? Yes, definitely. And there's thousands and thousands of those holders across multiple platforms. So whether it's on Discord, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on LinkedIn, even you're, some people are starting to see, and I myself recently had until I changed it back, maybe an animal profile picture as they're even in a professional setting. And if you check out my Twitter, which is tpan underscore web three, you'll see that I have a cool cat. Right. So these communities are really starting to gather in a multitude of different ways, cross platform, cross medium, cross a variety of things. So community is a very powerful thing beyond, hey, you know, I'm going to start my ride and I see my Peloton friends. This is a little different. And there's a whole different dimension attached to this where this isn't just when I'm in a certain specific scenario. This is across the board. For example, there's certain sayings, I am my penguin, my penguin is me. Or if it's a different animal, they sort of use those same slogans as well. So you see that, don't be too weirded out, but it's a way to really build a strong community. And that's one of the very foundational pieces of this space, but also of the 3C framework. This is fascinating. The fact that they're, I mean, I get the idea of changing your profile picture on Twitter because that seems to be kind of normal. I've done it with my Moonbird, but you're saying that you're even doing it across platforms like LinkedIn and such like that. And then they use, they adapt phrases like, so that that's also a fascinating cultural phenomenon, right? I am my penguin. My penguin is me. That is like really interesting. It's almost like a little phrase to indicate you're part of the tribe or something like that. Right. Is there other stuff that they're doing inside of their community to establish community other than just maybe changing their profile picture? Definitely. Another example, and this is more of the culture of the space, oftentimes they have different memes, right? And memes in terms of whether it's a picture, whether it's a GIF, even taking a clip from a movie scene, and they apply 
a penguin on top of that. And that doesn't happen just with the penguins, but this community particularly employs that tactic a little bit more than others. And you start seeing that everywhere. And they might coordinate to just have that as a fun way for their community to gather. Or if they see a very popular individual create a tweet, let's say Elon Musk, they all sort of chime in on that together as a as a collective, as a community. So not only is that sort of a fun activity for them, but it really shows how strong that community is because they come in together for a specific effort. And definitely there's more examples that I'll provide later with some other, you know, putting it all together examples. You know, it's it's kind of interesting because when I interviewed uh, one of the top Lazy Lion holders, Adam, and I'm drawing a blank on his last name right now, a while back, they have a very similar thing. And, you know, part of what people sometimes ask is how do you incentivize someone to do these kinds of things? I know with the Lazy Lions community, they had this thing called the Roars Rewards, where if you change your Twitter profile and you put in your Twitter bio, like uh, the lion emoji, and you did a couple of other things, then you essentially could earn their token or you could earn some sort of rewards. And then they also have these things in their Discord where they'll talk about, I can't remember exactly what they call them, but stampedes, I think is what they call them, where if someone just buys one of the lazy lions, that's a decently high profile person, they'll kind of incentivize the community to welcome that person, you know, and they'll call it a stampede. Or if something happens, you know, they'll just all come onto Twitter and they'll like all activate and engage to kind of like give it a little bit more love from the community. These are this just another example of what you're talking about, right? Now, what I want to ask is why do you think community is so important? Because it seems intuitive that it should be important, but it also seems it might even be more important in the world of Web3. Like what makes it more important? If we were to think through sort of growth models back in Web2, which isn't just for Web2, but most definitely applies to Web3. And this is where it gets really interesting. And Web3 and NFTs provide a whole new dimension or paradigm for these Web2 growth models to take place. I think of the R framework, and I'm not sure if everyone here has heard of it, but it's a growth framework that really breaks down all the different stages of acquiring users and also engaging, retaining, and make sure they have repeat purchases. So what does R, right? It's also, you know, people joke that's like the pirate framework. It's spelled A-A-A-R-R-R. So three A's and three R's. So it's awareness, acquisition, activation, retention, revenue, and referral. Okay. If you have, let's say, a huddle of penguins or a stampede of lions doing all these things, what does that do? One, that's awareness, right? The example that you provided of a celebrity, for example, or a more notable individual joining that community, everyone joins in to congratulate them, network effects happen, right? The awareness is there. Acquisition, to a degree, happens as well because people start seeing oh my gosh, not only is this notable person coming in, but there's a lot of social credibility and validation from that, right? Especially if, let's say, a notable individual welcomes another notable individual into that community. We don't have to go through all these letters, but another example on the R side of things is retention. Because there's all these different things happening, you feel a strong sense of community and you want to stay a part of that community. It would suck to leave. And it's understandable and people respect the fact that sometimes people leave or they might sell their NFT for whatever reason, 
but you don't want to. Well, and that's exactly what you said in the beginning of your story. You came into this project, right? Top Shots or whatever as an investor, but then you stuck for some reason, right? And that's what everybody ideally wants, right? They don't want people to just everyone to flip out of the community. You want them to stay into the community. And the first C really is really important that they stick. Now let's talk about the second C. Yes, the second C, drum roll, is creators, right? Another buzzword that has been mentioned time and time again. And why is this so important? Why is this a little different than, let's just say, creators in previous paradigms where, you know, whether you're on YouTube, TikTok, I myself regard myself as a creator now, um, as a content creator, you know, it's a special thing in Web3. When you think about the historical paradigms, for example, there's the famous saying that, you know, on Spotify, a thousand streams is just like a few dollars or a million streams is, you know, significantly more, but not really enough to pay the bills. Things change. The value exchange changes and how value is captured and Web3 is different. So starting with Web2, I'll take the example of let's just say art, right? You're an artist creating prints and things like that. You make money from selling your art, whether it's in person or on your website or even on your Instagram profile. That's great. You know, what happens after? Let's say you get really big and that's great. You're starting to sell your art from, you know, $50 for a piece to, let's say, $500 a piece. Those people who bought your art at $50 a piece, they might realize that for some reason, as much as they love you, they, they want to sell that piece. And maybe they could sell it for $1,000 because you're going to be the next Picasso. When they sell it for $1,000, you get nothing, right? However, in Web3, that value exchange not only continues to happen, but the creators continue to get rewarded at least a portion of that, right? And companies in the past like eBay have captured that value, but the original creators haven't. And that's why it's so appealing for creators to join in. And that's why they've actually been, you know, more of the early adopters in the space. Now let's think of it in a slightly more business or even corporate standpoint, right? And I think it was fascinating when I came across this headline several weeks ago. And when I saw it, I realized that was a no brainer. Let's talk about textbooks. So I don't know how textbooks work today. Now I imagine it's much more digital. However, at least when I was going to college, textbooks weren't exactly the most exciting part of my, you know, new semester where I had to purchase them. And I often tried to buy used textbooks because the content was more or less the same. It was a little cheaper that way. And I could use that money for other things that I saved. And they were expensive, right? So Pearson Education, one of the largest textbook publishers in the world, is getting into NFTs. And I think, you know, with what I sort of led up to, you can understand why. They have plenty of data and they've done a lot of research. Every textbook on average that they have actually is resold seven times. So when we think about value capture and even from a corporate or a complete different space that's different than art, even companies like a Pearson Education can benefit from this technology where Understandably, because they have done all the effort of creating the textbooks, you know, paying the writers and things like that, they can capture some of that value back whenever there are secondary market transactions. So, you know, for creators, whether you're a small creator doing your own thing in art, music, et cetera, or even a larger company, you can capture the value creation well beyond that initial sale. What I like about the Pearson example is if they can capture 
a percentage of the recurring resale value, let's say seven and a half to 10%, that means they could lower the cost of the books in the first place, right? Because the reason the books are so expensive is because they know they're not going to sell very many of them because there's this big resale marketplace. So if they can actually lower the cost of the initial book, they can incentivize people to buy the, the book new if they want to, but they can also make that revenue over time as the NFT technology kind of creates a new recurring business revenue model for them, which I think is absolutely fascinating as far as like the digital side of it. I also like what you're saying about how creators, NFTs seem to have been thought about with creators in mind, right? You've got musicians, you've got artists, you've got video folk. I don't know what they call themselves, videographers, I guess, you know, who are out there creating art and they are able to sell that art independently, or they are able to partner with a project, right? Which happens a lot of times like Board Ape Yacht Club, Moonbirds, for example, you know, where they contract an artist and they create original art. There is that big side of this, this creative side of it, where it's not just a piece of code. It's actually something that has appeal visually, right? Like if these pudgy penguins were just dots, no one would use them on their profile, right? So there's something about the art that appeals to the community, right? And that's like a Definitely. unique aspect of this. And that's a great segue into great example for this C, creators in Web3. And I want to bring it to a different animal now, one that I hold more near and dear to my heart, cool cats, right? And when we think about the creators and the story behind this project, it really leads to the art. And I think it's a great example and a great story and one of the founders, Klon, C-L-O-N, who is the artist and sort of the visual source of this strong community and this whole brand now, really harkens back all the way to 2015 and even a little prior. Klon has created a new brand with cool cats and his beautiful visual and attention-grabbing art with his cute cats. But his story starts much longer ago. And what's really cool is if you go to his Twitter profile, which is Cloncast, C-L-O-N-C-A-S-T, you see his pinned tweet. It's actually a picture that shows side-by-side -side 2015 and I believe 2022. But he created the, these cat characters all the way back then. And it's just such a stark contrast of the two pictures because... The one on the left in 2015 shows just sort of a ragtag, like he has a tarp set up and it shows his work and he's just selling it sort of like at this, I don't know if it was a flea market, but just sort of laying his wares out at a flea market. And then in 2022, his cat, that initial art is now in Times Square on a digital billboard, right? So it really shows how impactful this space has been for creators, whether you're an artist, whether you're a writer like myself and what this technology can do to prop up and support creators, but also provide more value to them beyond, like I said, just that initial sale. So it's a beautiful story. And I think it's a dimension that's a little less focused on at times in regards to the initial genesis. What's the story behind that? And creators have amazing stories. And I, I'm super happy for Klon and the Cool Cats project and brand. So we're talking about your 3C framework. The first C is community. And we talked about some creative ways that some of these projects are using community. The second is creators. We talked about how important the creator is, obviously, in the case of the NFT project, in this case, Cool Cats. What is the third C in this model that we're talking about? It's culture, right? Another word 
mentioned plenty of times. And this is super interesting because we all sort of live in our own respective cultures or subcultures. And I think we also understand this concept pretty well. But let's just go back to Web2, right? What's going on there? How does that sort of you know, surface and show itself. The Web2 example I'm going to bring up is esports, right? Gaming. 10 years ago, the gaming as a professional, you know, as a profession or even just as a subculture was just laughed at, right? People played video games, but it wasn't something where it was social or maybe you go over to your friend's house and you turn on and plug in the N64 and you just have a good time. But it started to gain traction where it was not only something where you could do more seriously, but it was social. It was dynamic. You could watch other people play and wanting to watch other people play was actually something acceptable. However, it took a long time, right? It was a joke 10 years ago. And here we are today where there's tournaments that are sold out, sell out stadiums, right? There's This is a global phenomenon where even companies like Twitch have provided these platforms and services for going back to other seas, creators to really have a profession for communities to be built based off a specific game or, you know, a specific creator. So starting to put it a little bit together, there's a big culture happening there. So what's going on in Web3 with culture? I'm going to introduce a project that has been a recent success. And, you know, especially during these times, it's a little harder to find success due to saturation and also just the general market right now. But there is a project called Goblin Town, which has really taken the culture of Web3, taken the culture of NFTs and really leaned into that culture and found success in that regard. So the quick summary of this project is a few months ago, I believe back towards the middle and end of May, out of nowhere came this project called Goblin Town. You know, the Twitter just suddenly came up. They had a website. It was free to mint, which is great and is a trend that a lot of projects do, but hard to find success there. What they did was they really leaned into the culture of not only the existing NFT and Web3 space, but also leaning into the culture that they themselves were building. So how did they do that? They created their own language. They held Twitter spaces with thousands of people at its peak joining in. They created not only their own language, but they also their own voice. And I'm going to attempt this, but they talked like this. And anyone that joined this Twitter spaces that didn't talk like this, they sort of made fun of them and they sort of goaded and teased them into also joining that culture. So as a result, people started to realize there's something really cool going on here. And they started to buy these goblins. They started to, you know, change their profile pictures, again, building that community. And also they just really understood what was going on. If there's a funny picture that went viral, they integrated it into their own culture, the goblins, or I like to call them the gobs because that's short. If there was, for example, from a community standpoint, a big prominent name, and there's been several that have joined the Goblin Town community, they created a special artwork to commemorate this, for example, Van Kilmer joining their community. So I think the last thing I'll say on that with culture is they understood the space. And this is a little harder to do, right? These were people that just like me had been in the space for a while. They actually, once they revealed the team, they worked on a variety of other projects and then they realized, okay, how do we lean into this? So this is interesting because it's the project was not for newcomers. This wasn't meant for, hey, this is my first day in the space. I'm leaning in. I've only been here a week. Like, what is this scary looking Goblin Town project? It's not for them, to be frank. 
right? It was for the people that were already here because they understood the norms, they understood the language, they understood the memes. And that's how they rose to prominence because it was a for us, by us type of project. Fascinating. So why don't you connect all the dots for us so that we can kind of understand how these things kind of intertwine and work together? Definitely. And I already touched upon them a little bit, but I think a very good example of this is Board API Club by Yuga Labs, right? So how did they put all these three together? They didn't, right? And what I mean by that is they didn't focus on all three at once, right? And I think that's very important for anyone listening to this to understand like, hey, you can't check all the boxes at once. You can a little bit, but really lean into your strengths, right? Especially if you're a Web2 company transitioning into Web3, like what are you really good at? You know, do you have a very strong community? Lean into that first. Do you support creators or do you have some great stories or, you know, capabilities in creating, you know, art or something along those lines? Lean into that. Do you understand the culture of, let's say, fitness really well, right? With a strong community, maybe lean into those two a little bit first, right? But what Board Ape Yacht Club really was, was it's another animal. They started with community, right? What were the few things that they did that really leaned into the community? They created a special hashtag for themselves where, you know, some other projects have it employed in their own right, but they did something called hashtag ape follow ape, right? So if you got, or you purchased a board ape yacht club NFT, you know, oftentimes people tweet it out, Hey, just got, you know, a board ape and joined the club. Does anyone want to follow me? Hashtag ape follow ape. That was a very powerful thing. Another example of community was um, Sotheby's late last year, a very big auction and a very big sale of a collective of 101 apes. That was a lot of money, you know, it sold for. And what the Board Ape Yacht Club community did and even other communities, because we just, a win for the space is a win for everyone, right? It doesn't matter if it's your project or your brand or someone else's, everyone's suited up. So everyone added on a sort of black suit and tie to sort of commemorate and to celebrate and to show their support for the auction going on. My cool cat did the same thing, right? Just to support the cause. With creators, one thing that was very unique that has become more of a trend in the space that BAYC did was they actually allowed commercial licensing to happen, right? So instead of just artists or musicians or, you know, the examples I provided being able to be supported by this technology, BAYC allowed their holders to license their apes. And what we're seeing now is, for example, you know, we see apes being on T-shirts and those ape holders or owners are able to take a cut of those sales. You know, there's a lot of different consumer brands. There's a brand called Happy Dad. You know, they have hard seltzer and there's an ape on there and they get to promote their ape, but also make money and, and a portion of those seeds selling that. And the community supports each other there. Lastly is culture. Right. We're seeing, you know, this just happened this past weekend, but, you know, two very famous ape holders who are also rappers, Eminem and Snoop Dogg, you know, they brought culture to the masses by performing a song in the Yuga and BAYC metaverse. Right. Something that's sort of jarring and unfamiliar, but it's becoming a much larger part of the culture in not only the space, but for the general market. So those are some examples of how BAYC started with something and really built this strong trifecta of that 3C framework. I love the fact that you're acknowledging you don't have to have all these things figured out right at the beginning, right? Because we've got culture, we've got community, we've got creators. And if you can, you know, obviously they're all important, but I would imagine the first most important thing is going to be community, right? Because if you don't have any community, you could have the greatest creators and culture in the world, but 
it almost feels like a triangle to me, right? It almost feels like at the base layer is going to be the community and, or maybe the creator, you could argue, you got to have the creator in there too, but it feels like the culture is at the top of the pyramid, right? It's the thing that ultimately brings everything together in a pretty powerful way. Thomas, I know we're just scratching the surface of what's in your brain. And I know that there's so much more because I've read it every day. I read it in my (laughs) inbox. So if people want to discover where to find T-Pan, you know, where do you want to send them? Yeah. So my Substack is tpan.substack.com. I write five times a week. So that's just a great place to learn more. And I try to keep it approachable. And hey, if you want to, you know, make a comment or send me an email, I always try to respond. So happy to have that conversation more one-on-one. My Twitter handle is tpan underscore web3. So I also talk about a variety of things there. And lastly, my website is tpan.xyz. So, you know, go check it out, you know, and I share some of my work on there as well. So, you know, the goal is to help educate and, you know, make the general space a little less intimidating through humor, through, you know, building frameworks. And, you know, I'm excited to see what the future holds for everyone that's participating. Thomas Pan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate it. On behalf of all my listeners, we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me. If you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C38. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelsner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.